the ecological toad from the frog book north american toads and frogs by mary c dickerson 1906 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org at the close of a hot summer's day we sit on the doorstep of a country house delighting in the coolness and repose and watching the lengthening shadows of grape trellis well curb and house a fat toad comes out from under the doorstep where he has been quietly sleeping all day another clean and bright-eyed comes from under the sidewalk at our feet they start off with leisurely hops toward the garden to search for caterpillars and other delicious morsels of a toad's menu we watch their retreating backs until they disappear among rows of beets and lettuce and we wish them good hunting night after night summer after summer toads come out in search of food they become a part of the place they help make the home and contribute their share in its work toads choose cool moist places in which to live they are often found in cellars under porches and sidewalks and in various dark or damp hiding places they seek such locations not only for the shelter but also for the moisture a toad never has the pleasure of drinking water in the usual way all the water that he gets is absorbed through his skin a toad kept in a dry place grows thinner and more distressed looking and is likely to die within a few days whereas one provided with plenty of moisture remains plump and contented as the weeks go by even when there is a scarcity of food it would however be a great mistake to think that a toad does not take pleasure in drinking he sprawls out in shallow water or on a wet surface and has a contented expression in his wonderful eyes as he literally soaks in the water in the country in midsummer when pools and springs are dry toads very often travel long distances to spend the night on the wet ground around a well of some sort in their search for moisture they sometimes unwittingly fall into wells to lead a most somber existence feeding upon the few low forms of life that live there and upon unfortunates who become prisoners in the same way that they themselves did release may come if the well has a bucket but more likely their fate is a tragic one their crushed bodies have been taken from pumps into which they have been sucked they have sometimes been found hibernating in old wells where they must have been for ten or fifteen years judging by the amount of debris under which they are buried we always have been and still are somewhat prejudiced against the coldness of the toad he is less fortunate than we are in being wholly instead of only partially dependent on the sun for his warmth on a warm day his temperature may be very high and on a cold day he is very cold indeed so cold that he may snuggle deeper into his bed and sleep all day our epithet slimy 
he does not deserve at all in fact he is quite dry and comfortable to the touch at least he is so when we first take him up a moment later if we seized him too quickly and vigorously he may be somewhat wet for among his protective habits is the one of pouring out a colorless odorless fluid upon the enemy but even with this he is quite harmless in addition to this fluid the toad has another which is slightly poisonous and which is secreted by the skin this secretion is especially abundant in the paratoid glands the two large swellings behind the eyes when the toad is in very great agony as for example when he is seized by the teeth of an enemy he pours out this fluid in sufficient quantity to cause it to appear in milky drops on the gland-like swellings this fluid has a disagreeable effect on the mucous membrane of the mouth and so protects the toad from many enemies watch the dog's behavior towards toads that have taken up residence in the garden or about the house he either gives them a wide berth or simply teases them being careful not to take them into his mouth a young dog may bite a toad but the experience is likely to prove so disagreeable that he does not repeat it the irritating secretion is not poured out at all unless the toad is in severe pain this fluid can do no injury to man unless it gets into the mouth or eyes the toad has been greatly maligned by stories of its poisonous effects on man and man's belongings instead of bringing ill luck the gentle fellow is one of our great blessings the toad has come to our gardens and to the very doors of our houses because he can get an abundance of food there also because as one of man's domestic animals he escapes some of his natural enemies as for man he may well look upon the toad at his door as a good fairy somewhat in disguise we must admit in fact we might let the toad remain wrapped in the veil of magic that the superstition of past ages put upon him but change the import of the magic to good instead of evil that the toad is the gardener's ally has been proved beyond a doubt the economic value of the toad has been recognized in this country as well as in others for many years gardeners in france have been glad to buy toads in order to have them as insect destroyers the toad remains quietly sleeping through the greater part of the day thereby keeping himself from being a nuisance and also saving himself from the danger of being stepped upon but at sunset or often earlier than that he comes out from his bed under porch or shrubbery and starts on his regular tour over lawns and through gardens the hunt is an exciting one for the toad eats living moving food only he must lie low approach cautiously but rapidly move most alertly at the final moment and perhaps meet with disappointment after all as the grasshopper takes wing or the caterpillar rolls into a motionless ball 
then there is always the possibility of a lurking enemy it may be a snake that lives under the woodpile and is out on his afternoon hunt or an owl that nests in the hollow oak and in the dusk approaches so silently that the first intimation of her nearness is the clutch of sharp claws or a skunk may roll the toad under his paw preliminary to swallowing it the chase must always be an eager one because the toad is always hungry his gastronomic ability is so great that he must have four meals per day or rather his stomach must be filled and emptied four times in each twenty-four hours he must therefore hunt and eat almost incessantly in order to get as much as he needs the tongue of the toad with which he catches his food is admirably adapted to its work it has a sticky surface from which escape of the prey is impossible and it is fastened at the front instead of at the back the latter fact makes it possible for the toad to throw the tongue well out of the mouth the toad eats almost all kinds of small living things that are out in the late afternoon and at night he may sit for an hour or more on the back step and catch the flies and mosquitoes that come to the screen door in their attempt to get into the house he sits with head bent forward and eyes looking very bright and intelligent when he sees a fly alight within two inches of his nose he makes no perceptible movement of the head or body the mouth opens and the fly is gone when the fly alights further away the toad springs forward on his strong hind legs then easily slips back into a sitting posture again that is all that we can see but again the fly is gone look once more there are many chances to observe for he is bobbing back and forth as fast as possible and the flies are constantly disappearing the free hind end of the tongue is thrown out and pulled back so quickly that we can scarcely see the flash of pink the tongue touches the fly however which adheres to its sticky surface and so is carried far into the back of the mouth the toad walks over the lawn and catches the crickets the locusts and the grasshoppers there not in the least objecting to their hard coats their long spiny legs and the molasses of the locusts he may swallow even a bee or a wasp found on the low clovers or dandelions and seems to feel much less uncomfortable afterward than one might suppose further out in the garden he snaps up the beetles and bugs that are running close to the ground or eating the potato squash or cucumber leaves he rejoices as a blundering may beetle noisily sheaths its wings near him before it has time to begin the task of laying its many eggs it furnishes a mouthful that makes the toad shut his eyes hard several times to get the big thing swallowed for strange as it may seem the large eyes of the toad can be pressed down into the mouth as far below its roof as they rise above the head and the movement aids effectually in swallowing if the farmer could see 
he would surely smile with satisfaction for this may beetle is the mother of the white grubs that feed on roots and underground stems and so ruin his pasture and spoil his potato crop it is not beneath the dignity of the toad to sit and feast on the plant lice that live on the lettuce he swallows any spiders he may catch he may sit in one place for a long time and eat the ants that are about an ant hill or that gather on a decaying apple or pear he loiters about the roots of the corn and attacks the cutworms as they come out from their day hiding places and start to climb to the leaves they devour at night the dusk changes to night but as long as there is any light the toad can see his eyes are large and placed on the very top of his head the golden iris contracts more and more the pupil becomes correspondingly larger until the eye seems a great black hole in the toad's head he can see nothing when it is totally dark but there is usually enough light to see moving objects he can see the tent caterpillars that have left their silken homes on the apple or cherry tree and are hurrying over the ground to find sheltered spots in which to build cocoons he can see the caterpillar of the morning cloak butterfly on a similar search and swallows it spiny coat and all he has no difficulty in spying out the white marked tussock caterpillars that are changing their feeding grounds from rosebush to snowball or honeysuckle he does not seem to mind in the least if a caterpillar is thickly set with hairs in fact small one-year-old toads will seize and greedily eat the common hairy caterpillars click beetles that have been in hiding all day are often captured this would surely rejoice the heart of the farmer if only he could see for the young of these are the much fought wireworms that damage the growing vegetables and grains the following statistics are valuable not only in that they introduce us to the real worth of the toad but also because they are accurate being the results of scientific investigation of the matter it is found that eighty eight per cent of a toad's food consists of insects and other small creatures that are considered pests in the garden grain field or pasture it is estimated that in three months a toad will eat nine thousand nine hundred and thirty six injurious insects and that of this number one thousand nine hundred and eighty eight sixteen per cent of all its food are cutworms counting the cutworms only the estimated value of a single toad is nineteen dollars and eighty eight cents per year if the injury done by a single cutworm be put at the low figure of one cent per year during the pest of army worms one toad examined was found to have eaten fifty five of the caterpillars during the siege with gypsy moths there were found sixty five larvae in the stomach of one toad another toad which was examined was found to have eaten thirty-seven full-grown tent caterpillars the farmer and the market gardener in the light of these statistics and face to face with their almost endless struggles against insect pests 
are beginning to value toads they have shown their recognition of the value of toads by asking for legislation to protect them similar to that which protects birds end of the ecological toad from the frog book north american toads and frogs by mary c dickerson 1906 read for librivox by sue anderson